0: At the library today, recording one of our most exciting community resources today because this is all for the parents and the kids in the school. Today, we have our friend Emily with us, and I'll actually let Emily kind of tell you what her position is because I don't really know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So, my name is Emily, and I work for the school district. I am the recidivism prevention liaison um so that's a big fancy title for i work with kids who have been involved with the department of juvenile justice you may hear me eventually refer to him as djj just to shorten it up but uh that's what that means is the department of juvenile justice so that could mean that they are currently incarcerated that they have been incarcerated in the past that they're currently on probation or have been recently off probation And I help them to make sure that they are um, getting re-engaged in school, that they get excited about school, that their goals are brought to the table. I serve as an advocate for those students. Um, And then there's a couple of other programs that I also work with through the district. And I think we're going to talk about those here today. Yeah, no, yeah, we're going
0: to kind of dive into all of this. So let's start actually at the beginning with just kind of... um, So what does some of this like advocacy and when you say working with uh, these students, what, yeah, what does that look like?
1: Um, So, um, well, first of all, my background, um, I have a bachelor's in social work and a bachelor's in criminal justice. And Mm -hmm. so um, I have a really rounded approach both from the uh, perspective of justice and then uh, criminal justice system and then also from social work, and I try to meld those together. Mm-hmm. But uh, I totally just forgot your question. Mm-hmm. You know?
0: In a more kind of specific <laughs> way, what does – so you kind of got the, a good overview of what your job kind of entails. So like in a little more detail, I guess, what does that look like kind of day-to-day? Like, What are some of the things you do with your students to kind of help – like? make them like school again and like things like that or help them to like really like embrace school again yeah absolutely
1: so uh first of all it's about developing relationships and so building those healthy trusting adult relationships um those mentorships um sometimes it looks very different with one student than it does for Mm -hmm. another because i try to meet students where they're at and so Um, I base what I do with students based on the needs that they identify to me specifically Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. then we go from there Um, So it usually starts with an interview um, Where I ask them questions about, you know, where they struggle, but also where their strengths are where their resiliency is what their families like what? Um, what things they like to do, what things they they enjoy, what inspires them, um, and then from there we create a plan of like what we want our long term goal to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, you know, there's a lot of expectations on these kids. There's expectations from Djj. There's expectations from the school, from their parents, and I try to make sure that the students' goals for themselves and their future are also brought to the table um, in those conversations and are represented.
2: Yeah, it seems like in in the kid's situation that maybe if they're struggling, or you know, everyone has struggles that they go through, but there's specifically in the juvenile system that life kind of gets more complicated and that it it doesn't get easier for them. So they're obviously going through difficult times and you know, struggling to deal with their circumstances or whatever they're going through, like we all do from time to time but then we kind of make it harder on them in the sense of having to deal with all these complexities that kids that weren't struggling wouldn't have to deal with. So like having someone like you that can really give a sense of direction and a sense of like hey here's the steps that we got to take and kind of break it down for them mm-hmm. i mean like as a kid if i had to try to comprehend the juvenile system and like my place in it that's just i'm not going to think about that mm-hmm. that's like too much mm-hmm. so to have someone break that down i think your role is very critical in giving that sense of stability that is kind of lost mm-hmm. in that system
0: yeah. Yeah, and just someone who knows how to navigate the system you mm-hmm. know and can like help you actually do that and do, like and I've met a handful of kids who uh, just like my personal experience. It's like, did I have a court date and I don't know how I'm going to get there. Like even like yeah. things like that simple, you know, like, so to have somebody who's like, no, like even like weeks before, like, okay, here, let's try to plan. Like, do you have like, who can you ask? You know, like, cause kids like, man, even just something so simple, like how am I going to get a ride? You know, like, you're thinking about how you're gonna get a ride to court you're not thinking about like your essay that's due for your like freshman english class in a week you know you're trying to figure out how you get to court so that you don't end up going (laughs) somewhere you don't really want to be you know and somewhere that's probably not good for you in a lot of ways so i mean yeah i think that's super important um to have some guidance in those yeah
1: and and thankfully um our uh our justice the djj here is very um restorative practice minded. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I work really well with that because I was um, trained in a lot of that with my education. And so I try to use that because um, there are studies out there that have shown that if you use a restorative model, especially with juvenile offenders, they're less likely to re-offend or recidivate. That's where mm-hmm. that recidivism word comes from. Um, it basically means recommit a crime. Okay. So,
2: um, <laughs> like, I'm thinking in my head, man, you know, I've never fully understood that word, but I feel
1: brave enough to admit that <laughs> like, A lot. When they ask what I do, and I tell them my title, I either get like completely blank looks. I've had coworkers that I'm that are like, "This is Emily," and I'm gonna let her tell you her title because I can't even pronounce it. Um, And so, like, I understand that that's uh, a very hard word to deal with because I had to write it in college over and over and over again, and I cannot tell you how many times I was like. Okay, how do I spell this word? <laughs> um, so its it was a challenge for me, and so I'm sure people who don't hear it as often as I did in school, it's probably even more of a struggle. But basically, um, I use a lot of restorative um, stuff with the students. I help them with goal setting. Um, a lot of students... Don't really even understand the steps that it takes to do goal setting, so I kind of break it down into steps so that it's manageable for them, um, so that they can set and be successful um, mm-hmm. and feel successful with those goals. Um, sometimes we get out into the community and do community service. It's really kind of depending on what the students' needs are mm-hmm. um, and what the family's needs are. Um, I, I, you know as a teen, not only are you um, you're, you're becoming your own person, but you're also still very, very attached to that family system. And so if your family system needs support, you may be getting all of the support in the world, but your family's uh, system may not be. And so then that's gonna create barriers as well. So my job is basically to try to eliminate as many barriers as possible um, mm-hmm. so that the student can grow up to be uh, successful, happy, healthy. Mm-hmm productive member of society
2: i think having that kind of mentor to guide the process is is critical in the sense of like you could have a kid do community service and maybe they get an understanding that they were serving the community Mm -hmm. because that's in the name but it may not feel like it it may feel like you're just doing chores or whatever and or you know paying the price for what you're doing but to have you frame as like in a way this is you being independent you know you can kind of shift their perspective within that to like help the event actually have the intended effect and not just, you know, open to interpretation, you know, just don't do it again. It's like, okay, yeah. It seems like in like that, that sense, community yeah.
0: service, he almost creates like a negative association with community service. It's almost like a punishment still, you know? Yeah, like, right. like, yeah, if your pro officer says, hey man, like you did this thing that we feel is negative, so we're gonna make you go do this thing that we make you feel like, like that we feel is positive. Like, I honestly feel like to kids, a lot of that just feels like, well, man, now I'm still here doing things I don't really wanna do because of something I did. Like, that doesn't sound like, fun to me, you know? Yeah.
1: Like. Here's where the restorative practice part comes in, because let's say who they're doing community service for is either at an organization that caters to something they're passionate about. Like, mm-hmm. let's say they really mm-hmm. like animals and they want to do it at the animal shelter. Mm-hmm. They get to pick that. They get to decide where they're doing their community service. Good. Um, or when it comes to the restorative, let's say they're doing their community service at let's say for the person that they harmed, like Mm -hmm. that's, you know, so that they are rebuilding that relationship or the Mm -hmm. organization that they harmed. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing is I do the work side by side with the students Hmm. if I am accompanying them for their community Mm -hmm. service. Mm -hmm. So if we're washing windows, if we're picking up trash, we are washing windows, we are picking up trash. Hmm. If I'm supervising a student doing community service, I'm doing it alongside of them because that builds rapport, that builds trust. Mm -hmm. Um, We're able to have conversations and it's not, it it eliminates the power dynamic. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it puts us on the same plane where I'm able to reach these students on a more personal level where I'm going to be more effective in being able to relate to them, to help them, to get them to see that I'm on their side because I'm literally doing the work side by side with them. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a,
2: a role change in which she goes from like the student and teacher role to you're both just workers. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you're just like hanging out, doing, doing community service, totally different dynamic. I love that.
1: And that's where, um, <laughs> and it's funny because even though I work within the school system, I don't view myself as an educator because I have the background of my social work degree. Um, and social work is very much um, focused on being aware of those power dynamics and yeah. trying to um, mm-hmm. eliminate them wherever possible. And so um, I try to incorporate that in th- into the work that I do. Um, and that's one of the ways that I do that. Yeah,
0: you know, that's, a, that's like the kind of stuff that I think is cool with like or valuable, like extremely valuable with somebody in your position versus like when kids don't have that because it does help to not create those negative associations with things like community service should be something that like in theory and like in an ideal world be something that like, we want to do for other people you know it shouldn't yeah. have to be like or we wouldn't want it to be something that has to be court-ordered you know and i feel like when you do like whether it is or not and you go through this and you have someone do it with you it kind of has like especially because you do kind of create like this interesting dynamic where you are at one time like you really get to become like a role model in a lot of ways you know like this person that helps people through things or like with kids that necessarily don't have a great one you're like oh like this like she doesn't even have to be here and she's doing it like this is pretty cool you know like mm. man i kind of might want to do this eventually too or you know when that time comes up again you know maybe it sits in in like more subtle ways i mean where it's like oh when you don't even realize that like you're, you're doing things that your role models used to do you know and yeah. then you're like Oh, now you're just like giving back, like to the community, because like that's like what people that I look up to do, like because they're good people, and that's like why I look up to them, you know? Or like, and I wouldn't you know. It's, I don't know. That's kind of a weird thing.
2: But. Well, you frame it as a good experience too. Like, yeah, exactly. I guess that's, that's hugely different. <laughs> no. Yeah.
1: Well, and you're changing community perspectives too. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard, and I, I'm sorry, I don't know the the author of the book, but there's a children's book called The Bad Seed, and it's mm-hmm. basically this. Seed is labeled as the bad seed and so Mm -hmm. everything that they do is associated with that bad seed label Mm -hmm. But when you start getting these kids into the community Where they're able to work hard and prove themselves and people have positive interactions with them while they're doing the volunteer service then they start getting feedback that is positive, that they're yeah. not the bad seed. Oh, yeah. my gosh, you're such ama- an amazing worker. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh, I have never seen a teenager that would, you know, stay off their phone and, and you know, actually do the work and not mm-hmm. have to constantly be reprompted. Like, yeah. that positive feedback comes from people other than me as well when we're out in the community. And mm-hmm. that is another added mm-hmm. asset because then they start to see that they they have value and they, they are, just by existing, that they're valuable and they're not bad mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. have good, wonderful qualities. Mm-hmm. And, and that starts to shift a lot of the mindset, um, mm-hmm. which is exactly what we wanna mm-hmm. see um, in juvenile justice yeah. um, so that you know the recidivism doesn't continue into adulthood. Yeah,
0: definitely. definitely.
2: Kind of makes you think, man, I wish there was a way that we could educate kids on these concepts before they got into the, the juvenile system, like before that these factors came up, which is actually something that I believe you're kind of doing and involved in. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think we all are, aren't yes, we? So <laughs> yes. So, yes, um, we actually all met um, working at the Wednesday Market um, mm. and... At the Wednesday Market, we've been doing um, training on ACEs and resiliency, um, and through that, I've been able to bring um, bring in sources of strength as well as part of the program to build resiliency against ACEs. Which, for those of you out there who don't know, are adverse childhood experiences, right? Um, and so. Uh, Sources of Strength is one of the ways that we do that within the school system. Sources of Strength is actually a suicide prevention program. It's student-led, and it focuses on resiliency factors. Uh, Those resiliency factors are broken down into a number of different um, sections of people's lives, whether that be family unit, friends, trusted adults, physical health, mental health, Um, spirituality etc and so um, each of those sections have different ways of building resiliency and so uh, that's just one of the ways that we are um, trying to do preventative efforts within the school um, because kids with resiliency are less likely um, to get into trouble they're Mm -hmm. more able to deal with the stressors in their life Mm -hmm. and um, and be successful I would say they're
2: also more capable of moving towards their goals without being blocked up or held back by the things that have happened in their past, by these traumatic experiences that they realize that they're basically kind of more than the sum of the things that have happened to them or more than the sum of their actions, that they have an intrinsic value outside of that. And even having a mentor, it's funny, because that sounds kind of like what you're doing in you know, the juvenile system, you are that mentor. So to have someone who can step in earlier and instill that kind of value can help them realize, uh, instead of it being like, oh man, people want me to do this thing, but I don't know what I want. Maybe they can figure out what they want. And you kind of have moved towards that goal, but it's not like you're constantly fighting against them. It's like asking them, what is it that is valuable in your life? Like what do you want from this? Cause a lot of times I feel like you don't know, you just don't want to hurt, you know, and you just do whatever doesn't hurt or or keeps that from happening. So it's, it's really interesting to see this in the schools to build this kind of, of concept that I feel like really hasn't been around for that long. I mean, honestly teaching how to deal with emotions, teaching how to deal with, with trauma.
0: Yeah, that's kind of a new millennium kind of thing. A lot of these, uh, like the like the ACEs study, the original one happened in like 97, 98. And I think the mm-hmm. Source of Strength program was originated in North Dakota around that same time, like early 2000s, mid 2000s. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of this like emotional intelligence, like, yeah, trauma can change your brain. Like a lot of this research is super new still. Yeah. And I think that's why, I mean, when people come to Wednesday Market and like we have the yes, no, have you heard of ACEs? Like it's pretty no heavy A lot of these days is because it's new still. And especially to like the mainstream, you know, like a lot of educators and people like that work in the fields that we do are confronted with this stuff. But uh, man, if you're not looking for it, like as a parent, a lot of the time, or as like someone who just like happens to work with kids, like unless you're looking for it, it's kind of hard, like, you're not also like always confronted with it, you know, mm-hmm. which like for us, I think sometimes is like kind of weird. We're like, have you heard of ACEs? We're like, no, we're like, how oh, have you not? Like, <laughs> <"Well>, <laughs> Cause they don't work where we do, you know, <laughs> like, <"Duh." laughs> like, come on. You know, if, uh, if people out there do want more information on ACEs, there's tons of good information online. The CDC has a whole rundown of it. They have their own website. Like literally, if you just Google the acronym ACEs, A-C-E-S, Like the first two or three, the first one that comes up to the CDC and then the next two is like buildingresilience.org or something like that. And that all has super good information about what all the ACEs are and then some of the ways that you can build resilience around it. Mm -hmm. But like just a quick like shortcut tip for people that do like happen to work with kids. A lot of that research like pretty much says like the number one things you can do for kids is like be a model. Mm-hmm. like model healthy behavior model healthy coping mechanisms like how do you cope with stress how do you deal with stress like and it's man this is one of those ones that i think is hard for some people too because like the do as i say not as i do thing like just kind of doesn't work all the time like and it's and it's hard man because like we're not perfect you know like people who work with kids parents daycare people daycare uh, individuals like we're not perfect human beings you know and like sometimes a lot of the time like if we haven't been taught how to manage our stress well like We don't manage our stress well because our parents did model for us how to manage our stress well, you know. And so it's – so like really, and this sounds kind of weird, but it's like one of those old sayings like no one drinks from the empty cup, you know. So if you are one of those people who works with kids or works with parents and you have some things that like – like taking care of yourself, I guess, is going to go a long way in like helping your kids take care of themselves and like modeling Mm -hmm. those kind of good behaviors, things like that.
1: It's kind of like the quote, uh, if your compassion does not include yourself, it is incomplete. Yeah. No, for <laughs> sure. Big time.
0: Absolutely. You know, I
1: yeah. wanted to sh- uh, share a Twitter post slash meme that I saw the other day. And it's uh, speaking to kind of what you said earlier. Um, and it says, boomers, I heard she went to, looks around nervously, whispers, therapy. <laughs> and millennials and Gen Z are like, LMAO, y'all guess what my therapist told me today. <laughs> so there is Generational shift yeah. that you know needs to be addressed. In mm-hmm. um, you know, some parents are still very in some old school methods. Mm-hmm. They parent like their parents parented, and mm-hmm. you know they they didn't have the tools, they didn't have the access to therapy like we do now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and the, sti- like and the, the, stigma. the stigma, yeah,
0: yeah man. There was just, I mean, it's going away, not as fast as I think we'd all like, but I mean, like it, it is the shift is happening. You mm-hmm. know, to where like. It's starting to be pretty okay to not be okay, you yeah. know. And like that's that wasn't a thing that was around even 25 years ago for the most part, you know. Maybe in certain spots, but least, not in my experience. Unless, like, it's been a pretty new thing.
1: Well, and I think in some ways, even the COVID nineteen pandemic has helped to yeah. shift some of the mind frames of people who maybe wouldn't have been open to it prior yeah. to all of mm-hmm. this, because they're starting to experience yeah. a lot more because of the strains that the pandemic yeah. has caused and the mm-hmm. changes. And, stuff. and there's
0: just so many of us now that like aren't okay. You mm-hmm. know, that I think like we're all like a lot of people kind of come to and they're like. Even man, in like these weird moments where it's just like, it's like man, like for the first time, you know, like you can't, and there's like you can't distract yourself. Like there's no like working sixty hours this week because like not a lot of work mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. had, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like you Absolutely. can't, you can't hide. Uh, I mean, not you can't mask a lot of these things with just like these external things that we're used to doing. You're like, like oh, just like keep working harder, you know? Like mm-hmm. or just do this or just do that. Like we're run out of just man, yeah. Like, just yeah, just things to do. So I think at some point, your almost life is kind of forcing you to accept mm-hmm. the fact that like. And on a large scale, it's forcing a lot of us to say, like, dang, we're all a little bit not okay right now. Yeah. So, like, that's okay, you know, like, in general.
2: I definitely think the key is how we view vulnerability as a society is vulnerability weakness. No, it's actually being even stronger because, like, to reveal yourself and not be afraid of rejection is, like, really difficult to do. And mm-hmm. being vulnerable with your kids, when there's such a power dynamic To try to get on their level and relate to them means you have to feel maybe some things that you're not comfortable with because your past wasn't perfect either. Mm -hmm. And so like to break that cycle of kind of staying locked up eternally and not giving them the tools because you don't know what the tools are. Maybe it's okay to admit that you don't know what the tools are. Yeah, Yeah. like that's
0: where source of strength is cool, dude, because... I th- like. I think it helps kids. Like, if your parent isn't like, if your parent doesn't have the tools or whatever that looks like, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
0: they it helps. The program helps you identify these other aspects where there might be resources or tools available, like for you to use. You mm-hmm. know, like. Even that, I think one of my favorite ones is very simple, like the same idea we've been talking about kind of throughout is like this idea of generosity, Mm -hmm. like how it feels to be generous and like the worth and the value you feel intrinsically from being generous and like Mm -hmm. helping other people and compassionate, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like maybe you don't have a resource in your parents, but maybe that role model is someone else in your life, a teacher. I mean, some, whoever that looks like for you, you know, a friend, older cousin, whatever. Aunt,
1: <laughs> uncle, grandparent. Yeah, anybody, <laughs> you know?
0: Like, okay, so maybe it's not your parents like it is for a lot of other people, but, like, who is it, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. And that really helps you, like, r- literally there's activities like, where you write that down, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you make that very, like, and in a way you make it, like, kind of concrete. Like, you start to, when you write it down, you kind of start to know, like, okay, this is my person, you know? Or, like, this mm-hmm. is somebody I can go to. Yeah. So, like, if it's not, like, the traditional people that it might be for a lot of other people it helps kids identify like what your sources of strength are Mm -hmm. right so yeah I think that's a cool part about that program
1: well and I just went to this conference um that was for resiliency and joy it was a wonderful experience and um there were two things that I really picked out of that one of them I recognized in myself that I'm already doing and that is you have to be present and doing the things alongside the kids because mm-hmm. if they think that you're not willing to do it then they're not gonna be willing to do it mm-hmm. so at this conference for instance um, they all the kids to get their attention they would howl like wolves um, cool. and so they wanted all the adults to join in when we they did this right mm-hmm. and so because they know if The adults make it awkward. The kids are going to make it awkward, right? Mm -hmm. So if the adults are all participating, it normalizes it. And that's kind of something that I've really taken into my work. Like, I do model for them, um, you know, those behaviors that are the positive and the resiliency and everything. Mm. And the other thing this conference brought in um, is how powerful humor is Mm -hmm. to resiliency. (laughs) So if you can make people laugh if you can bring joy or fun to the activities that you're doing you can almost kind of like kids don't even realize they're learning Mm -hmm. because they're having fun while they're doing it and so um you know it's you have you have to Bring in your personality. You have to bring in that authenticity um, and be willing to participate and be silly and be fun and and be do the vulnerable. things that they're doing and yep. be vulnerable. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so that's what makes um, successful mentor adults um, able to do their roles is because they're willing to do that. They're willing mm-hmm. to to be that person. Um, and so that's awesome. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Definitely, I would say that that's the the biggest sign of vulnerability is being willing to be yourself despite everyone hating it, like or thinking it's ridiculous or silly or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's so easy to get caught up in that. But like to have kids who are trying to get this sense of identity understand, especially with like there's so much social pressure to conform at the same time. So it's like such a duality, mm-hmm. <laughs> and to get this sense of like, wait, maybe if I'm not everyone else, that's okay. Like, oh my goodness, if they could get that now before way later, that saves yeah. you so much pain.
0: Especially because kids are so black and white, man. For I mean, you don't really develop, like, some of your more abstract, like, your ability to be abstract until, like, you're pretty much past adolescence. And so, like, this, like, concrete, like, this, like, kind of kids, like, especially around adolescence, are usually very concrete, right? So, like, it's usually, like, pretty black and white. Like, this is good. This is bad. This isn't. this isn't. And they're looking for, like, context and, w- like, to shape that when's good and bad, you know? Like, mm-hmm. a lot of the things we do as, like, people are pretty – things are, like, handed down to us, you know? Like, mm-hmm. a lot of things come fairly naturally. It's, like, learning that context of, like, when to do this. Like, even mm-hmm. things like aggression. Like, a lot of people have a tendency to be somewhat aggressive, but, like, where and when do I be aggressive or things that are being shaped by parents mm-hmm. like, social setting, you Or know? even why
2: you're being aggressive. You understand yeah. that? Then you get a much better idea of, like –
0: yeah and like to sh- so like with kids you know it's like when we can show them that like it's okay to like be totally ourselves like they kind of just know oh it's okay you yeah. know like they're, they're not like oh well it's only okay for so-and-so because of so-and-so like a lot of kids don't really think that deep man like oh like it's okay to be vulnerable I'm like okay and then you like kind of carry that on into like your are t- more abstract like okay well maybe it's not like as awesome to be vulnerable in like this situation you still learn that context mm-hmm. but you learn the fact that like Hey, it's okay to like be myself. Like I'm like, look at that person. Like they're doing weird things. I'm kind of weird. Like this is like, we're cool. You know, like this is going to be all right. You know, like it's okay to be me.
1: Well, and and the other thing that's important to point out, you know, you, you mentioned that kids and and particularly teenagers have a tendency, Mm -hmm. they can be very black and white. Mm -hmm. Nobody can spot that you are being inauthentic and you're full of BS like a teenager can like right. so if, unless you can address that with yourself and learn how to be authentic yourself those kids are gonna pick up on that before mm-hmm. you even do like mm-hmm. they are gonna see right through you and yeah. so
0: um, you really if because you're they don't with- do mental gymnastics dude to be like oh well they're maybe doing that because of this or maybe that because of that and like they don't like justify in the same way that adults do because like and so they kind of just say like. That seems weird. Like, like, yeah, no, I totally agree. So it's, if uh, you're not,
1: yeah, if you're not being authentic you're, and you're authentic self, they're going to spot that and they're going to realize that it's not safe for them to be their authentic self because they know that you're not really doing it, that you're play acting. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. where it becomes problematic because like. they can spot it. So quickly,
0: kind of get this idea of like, oh, that's like what people, that's what adults do, and like, if mm-hmm. I, when I grow up, like that's probably what I'll do. You know what I mean? It's like, even if you don't like ever verbalize that, like, kind of just happens. You mm-hmm.
2: know,
0: like ha- how many people that like we've talked to in our in our recovery experience are like, you know, like my family just didn't really talk about like their emotions or their feelings or things like that. So like I never really did. You know, like, mm-hmm. and even if they say like, oh, it's okay. You know, if you don't, like, kind of have that, like, vulnerability exchange, like, you don't really ever, like, know it's okay. You're told. It's, like, the do as I say, not as I'm, Or, yeah, yeah, do as you're told, not as I do, kind of. I don't know. However that yeah, goes, yeah. you know. But, yeah, it's kind of that same idea, you know. Like, if you... If we don't ever have these conversations with kids, like, and kind of have this vulnerability exchange, obviously not to the point of, like, oversharing or being overbearing, but, I mean, like, and just telling them things that, like, they probably shouldn't know, you know. Mm-hmm. But... And given like little concessions of vulnerability and showing them that it's okay to be vulnerable, showing them that it's okay to be vulnerable is going to be far more powerful than telling them it's okay to be oh. vulnerable without ever showing them how and like when and like teaching them context.
1: And sometimes that being vulnerable, it doesn't have to be serious, right? Mm-hmm. It can be silly.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And, and,
1: so, and so it's okay to be silly and then you're still being authentic. You're not getting into, you know whatever, maybe dark, deep, traumatic ha- past you may have, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you're still being authentic because you're being whoever you are mm-hmm. um, to the fullest extent. And it could be really city- silly. I'm a really nerdy person, and mm-hmm. I use that um, to relate to my students. Mm-hmm. I talk to them about Star Wars. I talk to them about Harry Potter. I talk to them about, you know, all the different fandoms, anime, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm willing to... To um, have these conversations, and uh, and that's just because honestly, authentically, those are things that I enjoy, mm-hmm. and that I happen to share with a lot of these students, mm-hmm. um, and so that kind of opens the door too, and I can have mm-hmm. conversation, deep conversations with them about Star Wars or the Marvel universe, the DC mm-hmm. universe, mm-hmm. like, and and a lot of students don't expect an adult like myself to have that deep knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so we get into deep conversations about you know, silly things or perceivably silly mm-hmm. things that may be very important to them. Honestly, yeah, it's important top. to me. Yeah. Um, and, um, and and that's where the authenticity comes. Like, mm-hmm. they know I, I'm not just like, oh, you like Star Wars? Like, oh, let's talk about it. But mm-hmm. then I really don't know anything about Star Wars. Like, mm-hmm. that's part of my authentic self that I bring to the table. Mm-hmm. So um, that helps me relate to the students a lot. And so Damn. that's another way to be authentic without you know, making it serious. Right. Yeah, no,
2: definitely. <laughs> I think that as you get older too, like when you start out as a child, you kind of just say whatever comes to your head. Like you mm-hmm. see little kids are always talking, babbling or whatever, and then as they get older they start to learn to suppress that. You know, they stop talking everything that they think they don't necessarily it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. come out. And so like once you hit teenager, you start to be able to like think inside your head and you're learning to suppress things in order to fit in with a community because like if i get super pissed off that i'm waiting in line at Fred meyers i can't just like throw my cart on the ground and be like come on guys mm-hmm. like i mean i could but that kind of non-suppression would lead to rejection and so we teach them okay you guys gotta learn self-control you gotta learn to suppress some stuff because that way you know you can fit into society you can fit into a job but i don't think we teach them when they can unsuppress themselves mm-hmm. like when is it okay to take that out and you'll still be accepted like around your really close friends or, or someone that you feel safe with. Hey, now you don't have to suppress yourself like you did to fit in with your job or, or some professional environment or whatever. Now you can be free, but it's hard to unlock that after we're constantly telling them, stop being so emotional, stop having these outbursts, stop not suppressing yourself, or it's not gonna work out for you later on down, down the road because they're like, oh, they gotta get a job, they gotta fit in. But it's like, okay, but when can they be themselves? They need to know that, you need to have a place where you can feel that way Mm -hmm. and be okay with you and like be okay with all parts of you basically. I think that's so crucial
1: yeah and and to bring it back to um it's kind of related to that but also something that you had mentioned so one of the things that i did with my students last year um there's a couple activities i do with them to make things fun and so that we can get to know each other um one of the things though is at the very beginning like i said i do an interview and i identify like the important people in their life well towards the end of the year um i asked them all i brought them all thank you cards and i asked them to write a thank you to somebody in their life i didn't care who it was I didn't need to read it. I just wanted them to write a thank you note to somebody who they were grateful for. Um, And that was really cool. Like they seemed to really enjoy that activity. And it was really interesting because Mm -hmm. each one identified like a completely like wildly different person. I had one student that was like, can I have two? And I was (laughs) like, "Uh, yes, (laughs) absolutely. Um, Another thing a Jenga game where like when you put the blocks are different colors and there's a deck of cards and each color block is associated with a question on the card mm-hmm. and so we kind of have like a get to know you kind of way of doing that Looks and cool. I have these like balls that look like soccer balls but they're squishier yeah. um, and you can toss them around and wherever your thumb lands it has a prompt mm-hmm. and so okay. sometimes that prompt is like um Say I'm worthy three times, or um, what is your least favorite chore to do at home, or like mm-hmm. so it's it makes. It's engaging, it's fun, they're using their whole body to do it, right? right. Um, mm-hmm. Where It's ways that I can get to know them where they're still having um, a good time. Um, and so, those are some of the tools mm-hmm. that I, I really enjoy using um, just to be really creative and give these kids new experiences while also creating those resiliency factors and building those relationships.
2: Definitely. And I think <laughs> giving structure to those conversations. I remember being in school as a kid and stuff, and they'd always be like, come up with a team name, and no one could. Like, it would never be an agreement. Or you'd be like, tell me something about yourself. And you're like, I swear there's things about myself. <laughs> I'm drawing a blank. I know. I know there's stuff. But, like, having a thing like, what's your least favorite chore kind of opens up. And they're like, oh, yeah, I can solve this problem. Mm-hmm. And it becomes less of, like, this really open, like, dude, really? Right now? Like, I'm not ready for this. And more of like, oh, yeah, I can answer that. And then you still get to know that. Like, there's still that, that rapport, like, the, the relationship that's being built without it being, like, a ton of awkward pressure like, I don't know what you want from me here.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I get to tell them, you know, which is a very safe answer for me, what my least favorite chore is, too, in that.
2: So, like, <laughs> yeah, then right. they
1: learn that it's okay to have things that we have to do that we don't like to do. Yeah. Like, so, <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> it's, those kinds of things are the tools that I use, um, and it, it really helps. It really does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. too.
0: Definitely. um and then just real quick back to the sources of strength uh <laughs> just before i totally forget and nobody ever gets to hear it how do kids or because there's uh, adult volunteers too right i think or maybe those are only in the school though so don't take me for word for word on that you obviously know more um how do kids how would kids that are or parents that maybe are wanting to like get their kids involved or push their kids to get involved i know they kind of have to volunteer Like, if there's a parent listening to this, that's like, oh, I'd like to be sweet. My kid might want to be a part of that. How would they go about doing that?
1: So, obviously, um, our district is very, very unique here. Uh Um, It's the size of West Virginia. It spans from Seward all the way down to Homer. And so, there's a lot of different cultures and a lot of different communities all the way in between, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, it kind of depends. That's the long and the short of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Some... Middle, it's mostly in middle schools and high schools, from my understanding at this point. Sometimes it's done as a class that students can sign up for sometimes it's done as a club sometimes a little bit of both Mm -hmm. Um, There is an adult advisor or teacher um, That kind of helps facilitate the conversation to make sure everybody stays on track and um, Sometimes what can happen in these groups is you can go down the trauma drain of like We're just sharing all the trauma and Like it just kind of so like the facilitators also try to prevent that because the focus is on resiliency and Mm -hmm. not on the negative. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, um, like I said, it just kind of depends. Wherever your student is at, I would contact the school and see if they have that Sources of Strength program active, Mm -hmm. who the advisor is, and whether it's a class or a club at Mm. that particular school or
2: both. Yeah, cool. Yeah, going with that, that sharing, when you share a bunch of trauma, I think there's a part of you that if you do that all at once, you start to maybe think, wait, am I like broken? Is there like something wrong with me? And so reinforcing with the resilience factors, I think is so crucial because it's like, okay, yeah, all these things happen, but there's a way out. Like there's mm-hmm. hope There's something you can do about it. You're not trapped. as like this broken thing that can't be fixed. And I think a lot of kids feel like the broken thing that can't be fixed. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they don't, can't verbalize that in a sense, but that sense of anyone who's been rejected, it's hard not to let that stay with you. And mm-hmm. if it's by like your parents, then it's definitely going to stay with you kind of mm-hmm. thing. But to have an option in an education format, I'm sh- I wonder if the kids know what they're getting to in that sense. But man, that's so good, like to have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Cause like I imagine as a kid, I'd be like, yeah, sources of strength. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. And then getting to be like, wow, I'm getting way more than I bargained for out of this. Like, mm-hmm. what an experience.
1: Mm-hmm. students in those programs get to advocate for themselves as a student body Um, for instance um, at one of the local high schools uh, one of the projects that they did for their classroom is they sent out a survey to the fellow students to see what kind of clubs the um, students wanted within the school and Mm -hmm. so those clubs in the future if there ever you know if somebody takes them up and runs with them that have been identified as a need by the students for the students um, could also create resiliency and healthy relationships and, and healthy nice. engagement and whatnot so um, mm-hmm. that's really exciting too because then they empowered themselves to find a need amongst their peers and hopefully that moves forward unfortunately COVID last year made that quite difficult um, to actually instigate. But hopefully sometime soon in the future, we can take those suggestions and actually bring them to life. And that will be amazing.
2: Definitely. I think when you start with with their ideas and their thoughts, it becomes a lot easier for them to own it. You know, because, man, I can't tell you the number of times people set up things for kids and then the kids will just be like, yeah, do we have to though? And they're like, yeah, of course, we put all this time and energy and you're gonna yeah. love it. You're gonna have to love it. Or you ungrateful, like, well, freaking yeah. waste. And we yeah. can't do that, so you better yeah. love it. And then when the kids don't love it, they're like, God, what's wrong with these kids? Yeah, I really thought God, they'd love it. Yeah, like, you know how much money I spent <laughs> on that? And the kids like, really, you really, that's what's gonna be the point here? No. You spent, mo-
0: you spent money on this?
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dude, I just wanted a better locker. My parents are weird, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love that. I love that sense of independence. Because if that is the time that you're trying to become more independent in your life, might as well have more choices on how you want to run things. Deal with the responsibility, deal with the consequences, but at least have an opportunity to start taking that on. Mm-hmm. You know, what is your life? What do you want to be like? And I think if you get an idea of what that is, then the suffering to achieve that doesn't hurt so bad. Because you actually know what it's for. You're not just like suffering for no reason, which is arguably the worst thing.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> It definitely yeah. gives them agency and mm-hmm. um and, and that's awesome. A lot of times kids don't have a lot of control. There's a lot yeah. of external factors controlling what they're doing. And yeah. so the little bits of control we can give them, especially as they get older and they, you know, are, are learning that they're eventually going to have all of the control and be able to make all of the choices (laughs) and good or bad have to face the consequences of those. Mm -hmm. Um, it's important to give them small steps to get used to that Mm -hmm. before they get to adulthood. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. It's funny that sometimes I imagine that our current structure can be like, you try to, you know, shield them from all this independent decision-making by making all the decision for them. And they're like, okay, now you can do whatever you want. And they're just like, what yeah where where am I supposed to go from here it's like no no it's gonna be fine just do whatever you want to I don't know what I want I don't know I've been doing what you wanted all this time like Mm.
1: (laughs) so full disclosure full disclosure funny story about that when I (laughs) when I was a kid we ate a very healthy like lifestyle like everything we ate like organic and sugar-free and like all of this and I swear to you when I like left the nest I ate nothing but Cocoa Puffs mm. for, like, six months. Like, yeah, nothing yeah, yeah, yeah. but Cocoa Puffs. To the point where I looked at... I was staying at a friend's house, and their cat's bowl was, like, on the counter, and I was like, ooh, I want cat Cocoa Puffs looking at the cat food. And I was like, I have a problem. I need to stop. That <laughs> <laughs> no, sounds like you're Cocoa, Cocoa Puffs. <laughs>
2: yeah, for real.
1: But it's those little things, right, that, like... When things are controlled for you and then you have this freedom, like that's a good example of like now the world of possibilities has yes. opened up. I've never right. been able to eat sugary cereal and now I'm <laughs> going to eat nothing but sugary cereal.
2: And it's funny, then as as, the, as the, the party that kind of like had that structure and then let them make their own decisions, you're like, well, it's on them. I mean, they did it. <laughs>
1: So we have two um, new programs that will be starting this school year. Um, They're both um, developed and heavily researched by the American Lung Association, which I will from here on forward call the ALA because that's what that means. But um, I feel like if I just speak in acronyms, people don't always know what I'm talking about. So American Lung Association, ALA. Um, so there are two programs. One is, here's another acronym, ATOS. So it's an alternative to out of school suspension, um, for tobacco programs. I'm
0: actually really interested in that.
1: What, what's, what's, yeah, yeah, so so the ATOS program is. Um, I think we're gonna we're piloting it in a couple of the middle schools and high schools, um, and it's an alternative to out of school suspension. It provides um, education for students. It's kind of run in a detention model um, to give them more information and, and combat the misinformation about vaping in particular. But um, it's it's built for all tobacco products, mm-hmm. not just vaping. But um, in full honesty, vaping is the biggest right.
2: concern
1: in the schools at this point. Most teenagers, if you ask them like what they consider smoking cigarettes, they'd look at you like you were crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they think nothing of vaping, um, and they think that it's healthier, and that's not really the case. Mm-hmm. So it gives them information so that they can start making decisions for themselves so they can be more informed. It is not a tobacco cessation program though um it's while it's an alternative to out of school suspension it keeps them in school it keeps them engaged in school um so that they're not punished for their addiction um but can be educated instead that's another restorative thing Um, i think that's
0: important in general because i actually have never really gotten the value of out of school suspension honestly just because like man you're taking somebody who probably doesn't have a lot of structure out of really one probably the only place where they really do have structure and just like Letting them go, you know. what I mean, just like, all right, man, see you later, you know. Like, and only for a day. It's not, you know what I mean. Like, what's like the point of that? Like, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, you know, it's for the other kids in the class. What they're gonna get one day, and then the kids gonna have to come back again. You know, like that doesn't even make sense. Like, out of school suspension. I made this is a personal rant. It was my <laughs> for the day, but Out of school suspension doesn't make any sense. It's silly. It's honestly an outdated silly thing. <laughs> it's
1: but, definitely not restorative. No, yeah,
0: like, I mean. Dude, like you're gonna take the, the like kids that typically have like some of these behavioral challenges that like you're trying to address with something like out of school suspension need to be in school dude like that's where they're getting their structure that's where they're learning like the context of some of these behaviors that a lot of the kids their age are going through like this isn't this is where maybe where their behavior is manifesting but it's probably not where their behavior is like generated from you mm-hmm. know and like and if it's ever going to be a thing where, like, you know, you do have to learn some content around, like, you know, how to be sociable in a job. Like, how to work, like, with other people in a work setting. And, like, school is where you're doing that. So, if you take somebody out of school, that's how the challenge is doing that is counterintuitive at best. And it's frustrating. Okay, sorry. I didn't, mean to, I didn't mean to go off too bad. But that's how I feel. And I'm sticking to it. I'm,
2: I'm going to play devil's advocate here and say that maybe some of the reason is to help – let the parents know that it's becoming an issue. It's like more of an eye opening. It's like now you got to figure out a way to take care of them because both parents might be working, and now you got to deal with it. But I but will if you're say, poor, there, how are you going to do that? And I know, and that's what I'm saying. It's like I still think there are much better ways to communicate that. But like, I mean, I don't know when the you, last can do time that you went maybe. to like a parent teacher conference. You can do button. that in a
0: text message. I think.
2: <laughs> <laughs> phone call. I guess a lot
0: of ways to communicate with people these days. You hit them up on AOL Messenger for all I care, dude. Just like keep the kid in school.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, yes, and then we also have the, so there's that ATOS program, which is called In Depth. Um, And then there's also uh, NOT or Not on Tobacco. It's an acronym. Mm -hmm. Um, that is completely voluntary. So mm-hmm. it's not done when a student gets caught vaping at school or mm-hmm. on school grounds. Um, it's, um, the student gets the information or maybe they just decide on their own, um, without the information because they like, let's say they didn't get caught. They just came to it on their own, right? Mm-hmm. That they, they are addicted and they need help quitting. So it's a nine week, 10 course program. Um, that helps teach tools to help students be successful in actually quitting their addiction. Hmm. And um, the reason why it's 10 sessions within nine weeks is because the quit week falls in the middle, and the, the time um, most likely to relapse um, is uh, to, to reuse tobacco is within um, 48 to 72 hours. Um, after that quit date, mm-hmm. and so um, there's a check-in meeting to on a second meeting on the week that they quit to kind of make sure that they're they're being caught if they need help. There's a mm-hmm. safety net there; mm-hmm. they're not alone for a full week, mm-hmm. um, having to struggle on their own. And so it is a voluntary program. Um, and people can contact me at the district we have a couple of trainers i'm one of them Um, right now we have two people trained within the district to run this program Um, but we're really excited to start piloting it um, because there's a lot of research from the ala that backs its success um and so it's really um research driven and um so we're really excited to to be able to implement it up here oh no there's three people trained in it because there's someone down in homer that is also trained um as well so um yeah so we're very excited to bring this program to the district um and to the students of the district because we hope that it's going to be really helpful nice Mm -hmm. yeah
0: Yeah, the baby phenomenon is interesting, actually. That's a whole different podcast on its own, but, (laughs) no, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's really interesting. But... So that the last one you mentioned was not on tobacco, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the acronym for that. Not N O T. Okay, not on tobacco. Well, that actually makes a lot of sense. And then the <laughs> <laughs> first one was A T O S, right? Can you tell us what that stands so for? So A
1: T O S is just a school district term. So that's alternative to Two out more, of school suspension. suspension. Okay. The program itself is called in depth, and mm, okay, it is okay. also an acronym. But I I don't off the top of my head remember. Right. What it yeah. We'll, <laughs> for it. We'll,
0: stick with, we'll
2: stick
1: with in depth. <laughs>
0: She has, a, she has a list in, on, in her office on her wall
2: of all the acronyms. You just
0: look them right up. Yeah, list yeah. is
2: an acronym for something like that too. Yeah, honestly. <laughs>
0: yeah. Now I'm trying to think of acronyms for list so it makes sense. I can't think. But, yeah, no. I, um, thank you for actually coming and talk to us today. I think all these programs are super exciting and valuable to have, especially in our community. Um, yeah. So in the so the first program was just the kids you work with, and that happens through DJJ, right?
1: So uh, it's a collaboration between DJJ and the school district.
0: Cool. And that's you're the recidivism liaison.
1: Recidivism prevention liaison.
0: And so yeah, that's really cool. And then the source of strength program. Uh, if people want to get involved with that, call your school. Ask how that works specifically for your school in your area. Um, and then the. ATOS program, well, ATOS is the school acronym, in-depth is a program, Mm -hmm. right, is the alternative to out-of-school suspension for kids that get, uh, more or less get caught with uh, using tobacco. They can go do an education program instead of -of out-of-school suspension. And then, not-on-tobacco is a voluntary, is it 10-class, 9-week, or 9-week, 10-class? 9-week, 10-class. 9-week, 10-class tobacco cessation program that kids can volunteer to do when they're ready to do that. Yeah. So yeah, no, thank you Emily for coming and talking to us today and uh, telling us about all the different programs that are available to our students in the community. Absolutely. Um, Hoping that more kids will take advantage. More kids and parents will be encouraged to take advantage of these opportunities.
1: The other thing with the ALA and tobacco cessation thing that I wanted to bring up is the ALA reviewed the district's tobacco policies and mm-hmm. gave suggestions and that cool. went to the board and so hopefully um, the uh, some of the suggestions that they gave um, were to have all the information in one place and to be very clear on what the consequences were and so hopefully mm-hmm. those updates um, will be seen and make it more um, accessible for parents and students to know the rules before mm-hmm. they break them so that they you know they, they're aware of, of what is and isn't allowed so that there's no miscommunication. So that's mm-hmm. another thing we were able to do thanks to nice. the ALA, which is nice. pretty cool. So, Definitely.
0: yeah, that is way really nice. That's uh, super convenient to have it clear because I think, like, when kids get those student handbook things, they're like, make sure you read through this. You're like, page one, page two, okay, we're done. <laughs> so to have, it all, <laughs> to have it all in one place, like right there, very clearly communicated, especially with something that's been prevalent since it's been found, you know. Uh, is super important for people to know and understand kind of all the rules around that. So yeah, thank you so much for uh, coming and talking to us today. Well, We're really excited. Thank you for inviting someday. me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm, ex- I'm super happy to be here.
0: Cool. This was you and I for the keynote.